Hello, fabulous friends, fans, and superstars. Welcome to Synchronicity Web TV. I am your host, Nadia Shaw, and this is your moment of synchronicity. Well, I'm so excited today because I get to celebrate with you truly a brilliant and world-renowned astrologer, April Elliott Kent. Now, April Elliott Kent has written three books, and they are well-respected, well-known books as well. She's going to be talking about that, but also she is going to be talking about her upcoming class with the November speaker series at Synchronicity University. And April's class on eclipses is one of five classes that you can sign up for. And if you sign up before the end of October, you can actually choose your tuition rate as low as just $5 a class at synchronicityuniversity.com. Well, look, I came across April Elliott Kent, and I like to say her whole name, but I'll stick to April very soon. But I came across her work years ago. I remember I was just getting started as a full-time astrologer and I came across a podcast and she just was pro. And I loved what she had to say. I loved her insights. And ever since then, I've been like a fan. I've been this like fan from like way back here, but watching her and just admiring her and how brilliant she is. And so now she's coming to my school. It really is something to celebrate. So April, thank you for being here. Welcome. I'm celebrating. I'm celebrating with you, Nadia. Yes. We're it's delightful to be here. Thank you. It's of course. invited. April, I think that you're so brilliant. I'm so glad that you're going to be teaching at my school. But before we talk about your class, I do want to like jump in a little bit and go in a little bit of a different direction. When I first came across your work, it was related to work that was related to your book. So one of your books is on synastry, basically, right? Relationship astrology. And you were talking about choosing a yes. wedding date, stuff yes. like that. And so what inspired that? Well, it's kind of a long story, but basically I wrote a little piece for Llewellyn, the publishing company, and they have these annual, they call them annuals. They have the moon sign book and a bunch of other things. And one of the editors reached out to me because she'd seen my website and said, do you want to write something for us? So I wrote something about choosing your wedding date with astrology, which is something I'd been doing for people for a while. And I did that. That went over really well. And then they reached out to me to say, hey, do you want to write a book? So it was supposed to be a book about marriage, specifically like the sun sign of your marriage was the idea. And then they marketed it as a wedding book, which was a little bit of a surprise for me. And I never felt completely happy with it as a wedding book, because the work that I do uh, with people uh, for their weddings is very, it's electional astrology, it's very advanced, it's very detailed. And I didn't want people to go away with the idea that it was just as easy as choosing a, you know, a good sun sign for your, for your wedding date. But yeah, that was the inspiration for that. I've got the moon in my chart in the seventh house in a very close aspect to the midheaven, a square. And it doesn't matter what else I do, in my business. I'm always somehow known as somebody that does relationship astrology, which I actually don't do a lot of. Uh, and then I did these wedding dates. So it's kind of fun how our charts do that to us, right? Just kind of propel us in a particular direction we might not have expected. So that was the inspiration for that, such as it was. Um, and that book actually just went out of print. So I'm deciding now I've got the rights back. I'm going to see what I'm going to do with it. Maybe I'll yes. make it the book I wanted it to be. Yes, you should. I, I mean, I, look, I can't give you career advice. You know better. You know your chart. But 
it, it's interesting to me that that's what stands out. As much as I know that you have such a wide knowledge around astrology, I know that I've seen you teach with different astrology organizations. And I teach a business course with Kepler College once a year. And your work is part of what I always recommend to students as well, because you have that understanding of astrology and business and being an entrepreneur and all of that. So you have this huge breadth of knowledge. Um, but it's interesting to me, yeah, that that's the thing I remember, the relationship stuff. And so this work was, and it will evolve, of course, but it was related to electional astrology. So mm -hmm. just why don't, just for fun, what is the one thing that you would suggest if somebody was looking at choosing a best day for something like marriage, mm -hmm. um, one thing that they should pay attention to? Well, one thing for marriage, I can tell you for sure, and really do not get married when Venus is retrograde, if you can help it at all. And that sounds kind of corny, but believe me, I took all of the things that I had read and learned about wedding dates and about electional astrology. I made a whole huge list of them. And I looked at 300 wedding charts and the charts of the people who got married, because I wanted to see, I never want to just take it on faith that because this is what's always been said, that that's what it is. I really like to see it um, in practice for myself if I can. And that one really stood out. So Venus is going retrograde at the end of the year. So I would say it's not the best time to go into Venus ruled things like marriage. And that's the thing with electional. You find the planet that rules the activity and make sure it's in good shape. Have you thought about this upcoming Venus retrograde? Because Venus is going to station retrograde conjunct Pluto. Like, have you thought about what's coming up with this? I haven't, I haven't even looked at it. I will be totally honest with you. That sounds dreadful. I didn't realize <laughs> that's what was going on, but there you go. Yeah. Isn't it interesting as astrologers, we end up living in the present a lot. Isn't that interesting? I live in other people's present and future because I'm, I'm looking at the transits and progressions for the people I'm reading for. I mean, I don't look at my own chart for months at a time. I don't know about you, but yeah, I hadn't gotten that far yet. But here's the thing. Every retrograde planet has a wonderful purpose. You know, right now, Mercury's retrograde. We all joke about it and wring our hands about it. This one has actually been a bit dreadful, but Mercury retrograde is a good time for certain things. It's a good time to go within. It's a good time to rethink your life. You know, and anything that's Mercury related. And when it comes to Venus being retrograde, it's a good time to spend time with the most important relationship in your life. And that's the one with yourself and going deep within and figuring out what it is that you truly love, that you truly want, that you're truly drawn to. It's a beautiful time for that. The reason we say it's not a great time for a thing like getting married is because that's an external process. It's not an internal process. And what it always says when a planet is retrograde is you may not have the full story about that planet. So that's why it's not a great time to get married. Maybe you're just kind of both of you. There's something in your relationship that needs to be resolved and you just hadn't seen it up to now. So that's wow. all. That's such a beautiful way and very mm -hmm. interesting way to describe retrogrades that when a planet is retrograde, matters related to that planet. And sometimes it's even more encompassing than just that area of life, just that house, just that planet, but you don't have the full story. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you're supposed to go within. I, I like retrograde planets in a birth chart because it tells me this is where a person is self-guided. They have to go within to get the answers. It, you know, like I've Saturn retrograde in my chart. And often if you have Saturn retrograde, you didn't have a real strong authority figure. So you have to go within and, you know, kind of figure it out for yourself, figure out how to be the boss of your life or the authority. So each of these planets, I think, brings particular gifts. And I think the same is true, um, you know, in transit when the retrograde, but yeah, that sounds gnarly though. Venus with Pluto. So it's in like cap, huh? I know. Right. And, and just station right there with it. I mean, I'm just holding this image. I'm, I'm bursting to talk about it. I can't wait to talk about it even more and really like explore yeah, it. Like, it's like the end of December or something, because yes. The thing that came to mind was so many people um, in business want to launch their big new programs or products or services right at the new year. And I've been thinking of that and thinking so many people are going to be doing that. And with Venus retrograde, maybe financially, it's not going to be quite as lucrative as they've hoped, you know? Yes. And also conjunct Pluto. I mean, that just seems like... Uh, Digging very deep. <laughs> you said earlier that retrograde planets, they, they invite you to go within, even though if you don't have the whole story, it's like they invite you to get in touch with a deeper voice, a deeper understanding. But then having Venus retrograde conjunct Pluto, I mean, you really are diving very deep within. Yeah, it's hard to explain why I kind of go when we think of that combination, Venus-Pluto, it is one of those that just sounds like the worst case scenario. It's like if you're making a horror movie out of a, out of a planetary aspect, that's probably the one you'd choose. Um, but really, there's a great depth that goes with anything that's associated with Pluto. And if you've gone through big Pluto times in your life, big Pluto aspects, you probably found that you came to a much deeper understanding of this area of your life. And I always think if you just take anything that's being touched by Pluto and you put an exclamation mark at the end of it, you've got the energy of Pluto. It just accentuates. You know, Michelle Gould, our colleague, said a beautiful thing one time about Venus and I think Pluto. And she said, she said, what Pluto does when it comes along is to, uh, is to eliminate anything that isn't of the nature of that planet. So in this case, anything that isn't love gets burned away. Wow. And so what would you say to somebody who's looking at that and feeling scared? <laughs> yeah, I, think, I, I think people who want to do that work, people that want a really rich, deep relationship and understanding will not be scared. If you are scared, okay, yeah, you know, I'm not saying that these are all walks through the park, these Pluto aspects. They're not. I've got a friend that just went Pluto square Venus and had a really tough couple of years. But that's a very long aspect. That's a transit from Pluto to a planet in your birth chart, which can take two or three years. This is a quick one, this retrograde with Pluto. But what I would say is, well, being scared isn't really the point. It's more about listening to your intuition. That's what it's usually about. You usually know what's going on but you're preferring not to know or not to look at it. So this will be a time to just get real about that. And if things are exposed in your relationship that make you uncomfortable, then the test is, 
can you still love this person knowing exactly who they are as opposed to what you thought they were? So wow. it's really a beautiful thing, right? Because you have the opportunity to really love a person instead of loving the idea of a person. What do you think it could say for us as a collective that we are collectively going to share this very powerful uh, Venus retrograde conjunct Pluto and Capricorn uh, energy? I think for the collective, uh, I do like the idea of the word values with with Venus. It's valuing what is what is real, what is long lasting. All those wonderful Capricorn words, the words of Venus and Capricorn. You know, I've got a sister who has Venus and Capricorn, and she used to love to look at blueprints of buildings, not the architecture and not the actual building, but the blueprints. And that's so beautiful to me of a Venus and Capricorn. They love at the deepest essence of the structure of a thing. Hopefully, it marks the time of us aligning with different kinds of principles and values and ethics than we have for a while. I'm trying to think the last sign where we had Venus retrograde, was it Gemini? It was Pisces. Well, no, it wasn't Pisces, Aries. It was Gemini. You're right. It was Gemini mm -hmm. the last time. And then I remember just because it was so brutal. <laughs> I remember. Back in, yeah. I remember, yeah. It was, I think it was 2016 that we had that yeah. Aries Pisces and it was like, all this Chiron energy square Saturn. Oh, it was brutal. But yeah. And then the last one was Gemini. Yeah. This one's pretty dignified. I mean, you know, com compared to Gemini, which is a very different Venus retrograde, but even that can be nice. Venus can also bring people from the past that, that you really liked, you know, that you've really missed. And um, I think that that's something that's kind of true across the board, revisiting people, especially people, maybe you knew through your profession because it's Venus and Capricorn, or family members, because we often forget that Capricorn is a family-oriented sign along with cancer. So maybe those kinds of things, old values, old ways. Um, it's been an interesting year with Saturn square Uranus for so much of it. And it's been a struggle that we've all been going through as a collective between how much we're we going to follow the rules and how much are we going to throw it all out and start over. And each of us is dealing with that individually as well. But I kind of, this sort of brings a nice Venus edge to the Saturn part of that equation, you know? Isn't that an interesting connection that you just made that we are going to have this aspect of Venus retrograde conjunct Pluto, Venus station retrograde conjunct Pluto, while simultaneously or almost simultaneously having the last square, the last square of Saturn yeah. and Uranus. How have you understood uh, the Saturn Uranus square? <laughs> I don't know it a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I do understand it. If it's if it's aspecting things in your personal chart, which it kind of has for me, honestly, it it's been um it's been a lot of pressure and a lot of pushing, you know, uh, to try to this feeling of wanting to get to the next level of things, which is what Saturn and Aquarius wants, I think. And Uranus and Taurus is a little more resistant than we normally associate with Uranus. So having the two, it's kind of like dragging something across a carpet. You get all the static electricity. And um, I think it has been very hard. I think the thing that, that's been coming up when I talk to my clients and in my own life is uh, 
everything is changing. That's what, that is the turmoil that people are going through is that things after the pandemic, a restaurant that's been there for 42 years is no longer there. Or, um, can, you know, a dream you always had to visit another part of the year on a particular landmark birthday is no longer available to you. And especially here in America where I live, we're not used to having doors closed to us, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that part has been really hard. The Saturn-Pluto coming together, the pandemic, all of that. And now the Saturn-Uranus is people are just, I think, a little bit tired of it. They're a little bit tired of feeling everybody's getting cabin fever. And that's what we've been seeing here is just big, big uh, fights and misunderstandings about who's going to set the rules, who's going to follow what rules, why are they going to, why are they not going to? So it's, it's important work. I mean, I always think squares are really promising because both planets are going to be heard. They're both important, but uh, it's not super easy and mellow. Is, I love that squares are always promising. Is that what you said? Yeah, squares are always promising. Yeah. It's trying to get us into trouble because we get so complacent and things are so easy. But if you get a good square, it's not like a quincunx. A quincunx is really hard because they just don't, those two planets are in signs that don't understand each other at all. And the best you can hope for is detente. You know, you're happy this week. I'm happy the next week. But with a square, you know, it's two planets really getting into it, getting into something important. And it's not going to be a situation where just one gets its way. They both have to be honored. So it's always an exciting moment to me. What's going to come from this unlikely, you know, misalliance between these two planets? Yeah, I love that interpretation. I hadn't heard it described mm-hmm. that way before. Just love it. More personally, like when you look at natal charts, I I was reminded of something I remember way back, like we're talking the 90s, right? So this is when I first started getting into reading charts. And I remember at the time, like I just started discovering charts and I was like, oh my God, I want to see what all these famous people have. And you had to actually go to the new age bookstore and you had to order or ask for it. And then they would give it to you after, you know, you waited and then they brought it in. And I remember asking for charts of like Oprah and Madonna and things like that, fully expecting to see grand trines all over the place. Shocked <laughs> when I see flares. Yeah. Flares, yeah. They are what make us. They are what defined us. That's what's so exciting about them. Um, the things that are memorable about a person that you speak with, if I'm speaking to you right now, I know there's some squares in there that are just kind of scintillating out because it is where we're trying. It's where we're striving. You know, we want to become something else. We're, we're basically lifting weights and building muscle in two different areas of our life. So no, absolutely. The people that, that succeed are the ones that have overcome a lot that are constantly motivated to work, 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 you know, push, push, push. Yeah. That's an incredible way to put it. They, they do motivate you. Yes, <laughs> they make do. you. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be interesting individually, but I think it's also, like you said, if we're motivated to work, but then we also have to work. Like we also have to follow it up with action for it yeah. to count for something. Yeah. And maybe squares mm-hmm. help with that too. 
I think they do. Even if you get notoriously planets that are immutable signs, you know, Gemini, Virgo, Sag, Pisces have a little bit of a bad reputation for not following through on things. But I think you put some squares in there and you see, a, you know, a lot more productivity and a lot more figuring things out because the challenge is so delicious with a square. Who doesn't like to be challenged on that level? But you have to have some compensating nice aspects. Otherwise, you're just a miserable person. But if you've got some nice trines or sex houses, you have to have a little something. It's like the lubricant that keeps the engine running smoothly. You can't just have all the pointy bits and, you know, friction all the time. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Ideally, we want to see balance. Now, going back to relationships, this is something I've observed as well is that Ideally, you want to have both in a synastry chart. So yeah. a synastry chart for those like newbies out there, it's basically looking at your chart compared to their chart and how they communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. And ideally, you want to see harmony because then you get along with the person. But you also want some tension because that's the spark that keeps you growing. So mm -hmm. have do you have any like memorable or notable charts that you might have looked at where maybe you saw too much of one or not enough of one? You do see it's it's pretty obvious when you're just looking at a couple and you're not looking at charts, you know what you're going to find when you get into the charts. You know that there are areas, if it's one of these couples that's constantly, they're at a party and there's always drama, they're fighting, there's a big slamming of doors, you know, this kind of person, it's a lot of squares or some really combustible planets together. Um, but yeah, it, it, and the people who, you know, I did a lot of wedding charts for a lot of couples over the years, years. And what was interesting was how difficult it was to find a good wedding date for a couple that it wasn't working. They weren't communicating. You could tell there was a lot of friction just in the way. And I only dealt with them by email. It wasn't like I was having a conversation and hearing their tone of voice even. And it came across loud and clear when couples were not getting along. But my job was not to tell them whether or not to get married. My job was to tell them when to get married. So that's what I did. But I did have at least one person come back to me and later say, I stayed in that marriage much longer than I should have. And I think it's because we had a really good wedding date. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, unfortunately, it does kind of work that way. So, yeah. And yet the ones that were getting along really well, where there's you know, clearly a nice mixture of easy aspects between the, the uh, charts and difficult ones. It was a snap. I could sit down and find a good date for them in five minutes. It's really kind of mysterious. Yeah. Is there one or two maybe aspects in a synastry chart that you think is very important for two people in terms of longevity, for example? I think something nice between the sun and moon is really helpful. Because the sun and the moon are, you know, that Venus and Mars is real sexy. You know, that is the stuff that gets you super interested in each other, where you got butterflies and all of that. And that's great. That gets two people together. It gets them to commit to do the work. But then what you're left with when that inevitably dies down, because it does, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the relationship either. It just, it, that part comes and goes, you know, but with the sun and the moon, what we're talking about is really old imprinting involving mom and dad, especially, and the kinds of relationships that were modeled for us really early on. So the sun and the moon are so important. It doesn't matter if it's a same-sex couple, an opposite-sex couple, or what. 
These symbols still have to do with giving and receiving. It's the energy we're putting out with the sun. It's how we receive energy with the moon. So if you have some good content, and it, it, I mean, I've seen it work too, where you have, you have a good, you have a, a happy aspect between one person's sun, the other's moon, and then you have a difficult one in the other direction. And that's fine because that brings that tension. But you need to have some connection there, I think, because it says your ideas of what a relationship are supposed to be are compatible in some way. So that, I think, if I had to narrow it down to one, that would be it. You see a lot of Saturn connections between people, people starts too, if they're meant to be together for a long time, because Saturn makes us do the work and hang in there. God, when I was was choosing wedding dates for people, they're like, let's just get Saturn out of there altogether. And I'm like, no, that's, that's the marriage. That's the commitment. That's the thing that makes it different than just a one night stand or somebody you date for a few months. This is the rest of your life. That's Saturn. That's serious. Saturn's got to go somewhere. Pluto's (laughs) got to go somewhere, right? We would love to take them out all together, but sadly... (laughs) yeah yeah they're part of the human experience it is indeed Mm. yeah and so okay I know I could keep talking to you about this for so long because you're just that brilliant but I do want to make sure that we spend a little bit of time talking about eclipses in astrology because April is going to be teaching with the November speaker series at Synchronicity University. And I will put up right now so you can see the brilliant astrologers who are going to be accompanying April Elliott Kent. And I absolutely love that name. That's why I keep saying it over and over again. But yes, April is coming to Synchronicity University. And until the end of October 2021, you can choose your tuition rate as low as just $5 a class. So you are going to be teaching on eclipses in astrology. What I mean, I know that it's such an interesting topic. What is the significance? If you had to like sort of sum it up or give us a little bit of a preview, what is the significance of eclipses in astrology? I think they're great because they are of the nature of a square. They're of a nature of Uranus. They're the things that bring us to crisis and crisis makes us change. And crisis is not always a bad thing. You know, if somebody gets married, they're in a state of crisis. Their whole life has been turned upside down. They're getting used to, in some cases, to a new name, to a new home, to being treated in a different way because they've been married. You can have your first child. That's a huge crisis. It's not that it isn't joyful, but it's a crisis. And that is what eclipses show us. Eclipses say, you know, because they're associated with the lunar nodes. And the lunar nodes have the south node, which is you've done this already. You're great at it. You've got these skills. And the North Node is, this is what you're supposed to master now. But you can always use the stuff from the South Node to get better at the North Node. And I think the eclipses are what propel us in one direction or the other, either from the South Node to the North Node, which is ideal, or sometimes from the North Node to the South Node. So what I like about eclipses is they wake us up. And they say, you have taken this particular road as far as you can take it. And now we need to turn around and go in another direction. That's exciting. And what you see, I mean, they have cycles and patterns just like everything in astrology. So there are such rich territory for going back and using what you know from your past. And the past times that eclipses have been active in the same areas of your chart. 
as they will be, say, at the end of November and beginning of December of this year. And learn from that. Because eclipses are going to be in the same area of your chart. You're in for a, a similar crisis in your life. And that is really wonderful to work with in doing forecasting with people or just helping them understand their lives and their planets. You know, sometimes every time you get an eclipse sitting on your Venus, particular kinds of things happen. And they're not necessarily the things you would normally associate with Venus. So it tells you how your Venus works, which is really instructive and helpful. So, oh, I love eclipses. They're the best. I'm so excited to teach about them for you because I've been looking at them ever since I was a baby astrologer and I just sort of stumbled across by accident some big events uh, in the life of a, a particular person I knew that was just stunning to me and got me down this road of looking at eclipses. I think they're so great. They are so powerful, aren't they? I mean, I know in my own practice over the years, I have seen people go through massive changes when they have eclipses now of course eclipses on your sun sign or your rising sign those can be really big but in all kinds of ways depending on how it hits your chart i love that you mentioned like if you keep getting or if you've had eclipses in the past that activate your venus that's a clue it tells you something that you're about to go through a whole other perspective or another look or a big change um I'm also reminded when you were sharing about how the very famously, you know, they say the Chinese symbol for crisis also means opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that is part of it. But I, I wanted to share some funny things because I have seen so many people go through eclipses. I have seen lots of people uh, change relationships mm-hmm. with an eclipse. I have seen lots of people, um, you know, just go through massive life changes where they go on a whole other career path, a whole other life path. I have seen people quit drugs. I've seen that quite a bit, actually. Mm-hmm. And I've also seen, I remember I saw somebody, a couple of people who like actually became vegan or vegetarian under an eclipse. I met somebody who started eating meat again after being vegetarian for 15 years and, and <laughs> vegan for 10 of those years, and they started eating meat again. So it's so interesting how whatever your next chapter is, it's going to be uniquely your own, but eclipses really give us this insight into what that could be for you. Absolutely. And if you go back nine years, cause it's an 18, 19 year cycle. Uh, and then if you're able, if you're old enough, you know, as I am now to go back, you know, several times that every nine years we have eclipses in these same signs, you get these little echoes from the past. And it's not that exactly the same thing happens but it's usually really reminiscent. It's making you cope um, with particular areas of your life and your nature. So I'm with you. I've seen people make big changes and very often, especially if you have one of these really uh, scary looking aspects in your chart, say you have Venus conjunct Pluto in your natal chart. And every time you get an eclipse conjunct opposed or square, that point, if that's gonna be significant, And it tells a story that runs throughout your life. And every nine years, you get this little installment of this particular story. And it's fascinating. It's interesting to to learn from these patterns, you know, based on what's happened before. And to anticipate what's coming up, which is sort of like why we love astrology a lot of the time, is to peek around the corner. 
Yes, isn't it? It's so fascinating. It's like a glimpse into the mystery is how I like to call it. Actually, it was Ibn Arabi who said that, the, the <laughs> mystic who lived about a thousand years ago. Uh, but okay. yeah. Feeling from the best, so that's great. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, I, I'm trying to cite, I try to be really ethical. I have Saturn. Oh, no, you're wonderful. Yeah, you're wonderful about that. Yeah. No, that's, that's really well said, though, and worth repeating. Uh, and I like the I always like the Mark Twain one that history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Mm -hmm. And that's true of everything in astrology, but with, with eclipses, why wow, you really see it, these little reminiscences. So, yeah. And so it'll be a real chance to reflect on your own life and, and consider what could be coming up ahead. Now, I don't normally talk about myself. I, that's part of what I love about my work is that it's not about me. It's about other mm -hmm. people, but I, I do want to share that I, now I think about it and I realized the last time there were these eclipses and nodes in uh, the Taurus Scorpio axis, that was, uh, that's my nodes are, are in that axis as well. But that was when I moved to Mexico. Like I literally visited Mexico and I knew I was home. And six weeks later, I moved there. And so it's so interesting that Mexico has been home for nine years. And now these eclipses are about to happen. How is that going to evolve my story where it comes to where I'm supposed to be in the world hey. what is home for me yeah because you've fine-tuned it within Mexico you've moved to a different part of Mexico right yeah so I recently did move to this year I moved to a different yeah. part of Mexico so but it's, it's the bond yeah yeah and a deepening of it or fine-tuning of it and you know what i found with venus ones that is really interesting is the question is always how do i value myself and ostensibly that will be about relationships because relationships are certainly part of that story but i've seen people have terrible relationships with come to a head when eclipses are aspecting venus because that makes you ask what am i aren't i worth better than this and I've seen people really freak out when they're suddenly in a good relationship and they don't know what to do with that because they're not sure they deserve that either. So it's, that's what I mean about how interesting it is when eclipses teach us about our planets and they're teaching us in the case of Venus, what am I worth? And, and you'll be shown in lots of different ways, you know, until you get the message and figure out what that is. Yeah. You'll be shown in lots of different ways until you get the message. Mm -hmm. That's very powerful. And it's yeah. almost like eclipses. I find that if you are somebody who approaches your life consciously and you strive to stay conscious and stay connected to whatever your truth is, they don't have to be as dramatic. They don't have to like really hit you over that bum in order to get your attention. But sometimes they do. Sometimes they, they do. do. And you find that with trans, just transits cross board, right? And I, I find eclipses, the stories are most dramatic, usually when people are younger. And that's why, because we're waking up to these things. And as you get older and you're more familiar with yourself and with your patterns, they tend to go a lot easier on us. But sometimes when you're real young and you haven't figured it out yet, it can really cause some mischief. It's also observing your life, no matter how old you are, some people are better at observing their life than others or observing their, the others around them. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, isn't that an interesting perspective? I do really love getting older for that reason. I love the, 
that you just know yourself better and you're just yeah. more comfortable with yourself. There's lots of great things about getting older. Oh, absolutely. I just had my second Saturn return, which oh, I can't wow. with Pluto on it. Ah. And I lived, but I'll tell you, Nadia, it was, it was, it was hard. I was looking forward to it because I, what I was remembering about my first Saturn return was the aftermath, which was great. I became an astrologer, all kinds of things happened. And this time around, so I'm really looking forward to Saturn because I think we're buds now. And it was hard. It was not, it, it was a very difficult Saturn return, but it's great now. Because what happens is, you know, Saturn rewards age. And I find at my second Saturn return, I keep saying this to my clients too, at your first Saturn return, you're grading yourself based on how other people are seeing you in your life. Am I successful? Do I have the right job, the right car? Am I making the right amount of money? Do I have a spouse? Do I have children? Those are the things that tend to be influential in how we see ourselves because Saturn returns are always about feeling good about your life, feeling on top of things at the second Saturn return. It's totally different. You're grading on a whole different scale and it's all internal. It's do I approve of my life? Do I like the job I have? Am I, do I have enough to make me comfortable? And it's much more internal and it's lovely. It's lovely. But the great thing in astrology about working with older clients or being an older astrology uh, astrologer is you've seen these cycles come and go. And that's reassuring. And you can reassure people with them and help them draw connections, meaningful connections between the eras of their life. And it makes them feel more whole and more integrated. Isn't it great? Don't we have a great job? We really do. In so many ways. I remember the late, great Jonathan Kaner said that a big part of his job was letting people know it's going to be okay. Yeah. Like that was really it. Yeah. Yeah. And to get the most out of the moment that you're in, it's like, say, this story has a good ending. What can we do with where you are now to make it even better? You know, it's not like, closing the door and until Pluto goes away. It's about engaging with Pluto, figuring out what you need to do and then doing it. And then when you get to that happy ever after, it's that much happier and you're that much more complete. Good guy. Yeah. You, did you know him? Did you ever meet him? I tried. I will tell you, he, he was a huge inspiration to me in the nineties when I came across his work and I just, uh, you know, I, uh, when I, I went to, actually, I went to the University of Kent. This is the connection I feel with you. I went to the University of Kent in England. And that year I stepped in England. I tried to go to like events and meet him like three times. And each time it didn't work out for different reasons. Like once there was a flood, another time. Oh my gosh. I know like those just crazy stuff that made it not happen, but it's kind of like, okay, maybe that's the way it was meant to be. And that's okay. But um, it's interesting how every astrologer, like I really feel that on one level, we are a part of a lineage. It's like every astrologer that ever was is our ancestor. Mm -hmm. And what we as astrologers are doing now, this will be something that our descendants, the upcoming astrologers, future astrologers mm -hmm. are going to look to, are going to tap into in some way. And it's really exciting to be a part of that lineage. 
Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I feel such a kinship with those astrologers I never knew, but were so inspirational to me. Linda Goodman and Alan Leo and you know, reading Rob Hand back when I was a tiny, maybe little astrologer. And um, yeah, we, we do have a kinship. It's a funny community when you're in it in real time, you know, uh, because we are all so spread out. And it's been such a strange time of not being able to meet in person um, and just relying on, you know, Zoom and this kind of thing, which is great. I can remember being 12 years old. That's when I first discovered astrology. Actually, I read Linda Goodman's Sun Signs, but thinking at the time, oh, I want to be an astrologer when I grow up. But I didn't even know what astrologers really did. And it wasn't until I met an astrologer for the first time just before my Saturn return. And I met the woman who ended up being my teacher. But it was so amazing. And I was so amazed by her because she just looked like a normal person. I thought astrologers wore turbans and looked really wacky and were really crazy. Uh, so yeah, it's a, now that I'm here and I'm actually an astrologer, which constantly amazes me, I think, well, that little girl knew what she was talking about. She had her heart in the right place, but who knew, right? Kids yeah. often know, like when we're children, we do know a lot, but I think, um, thankfully there are more, um, spaces and places and circumstances that are allowing more children to be able to and adults to recognize that when a child tells them that they know who they are to encourage that uh, because that's not always the case a lot of times you have to fit into a box I know a lot of people who've had to live that way especially when they were growing up mm -hmm. or in different ways but we are very fortunate that we've been able to sort of find this path. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like just being with other astrologers is amazing because it really is like our own language, our own community. And it's a very powerful thing to get together with people where you know that you're not an alien. You're not like this out there person on the fringes, but these are your people. That I, that's why I call it the astro family. I think it is. I think it is that way. And it's, it's always a little bit weird for me going to conferences and things like that, because I'm not really a group person. I'm kind of shy in groups, honestly. Uh, so it always feels a little bit weird. But it's like, that's how I was in my own family. So of course, I'd be that way in the astrology family, too. Of just I like knowing that they're around. Like if I'm at a conference, I'll spend a lot of time in my room, but I'm happy knowing that I'm in a hotel packed with astrologers. It just feels right. It just feels good. <laughs> I know, right? Isn't it amazing? I can't wait until we meet again uh, as astrologers, but also to hug you as well will be amazing. I know. And you, have we ever met in person? I don't think I don't have. think so. I don't think so. But I mean, I know, like I said, I have felt that connection. I've seen you from afar. You've inspired me with your work oh, and your career for so oh, long. Sweet. Yeah. Like I said, I was oh. like a just starting out as a full-time astrologer. So I guess I wasn't a baby astrologer anymore, but I was just starting to like, you know, dedicate myself fully. And that's when I came across your work and I just uh, thought that you were so brilliant. So it's amazing to me now, being a full-time astrologer for 15 years, over 15 years now, and now here we are. I get to hang out with you. On, it's on amazing. Cool I, I feel the same way about you um, because you kind of like, to me, you're, 
a far more famous astrologer than I am because you have your YouTube following and everything. Uh, but no, that's amazing to me to hear. And I've actually heard it from a couple of younger astrologers because I guess I got started with my website really early on. It was 1999. And I have heard that from people. It's quite thrilling, but also humbling to think that Wow, that was part of people's journey. I mean, kind of much lesser extent, but kind of like a Linda Goodman or something was for me. And uh, and that's exciting. Yeah, but thank you. Yeah, of course. Good. Of course. And thank you so much, April. Thank you for being here. I'm so grateful oh, for you. And again, so exciting that you are going to be coming to my school. So once again, April is going to be teaching with the November speaker series at Synchronicity University alongside brilliant astrologers. She is a big dog astrologer. And if you sign up before the end of October, you can choose your tuition rate as low as just $5 a class at synchronicityuniversity.com. Again, April, April Elliott Kent. I love you. I adore you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. And thank you so much out there for watching. And until we connect again, take care. Bye. Bye.